to have a seat. I hope when you arrived that you were all able to pick up one of these little bits of paper that came with the notice sheets. Anybody not see one of these? Uh, do, do have these. Hello. Do have these to, uh, to take away. Whoa, dear. There we are. That's quite all right. I like a bit of company. It's lonely up here sometimes. Yeah. Do, do, do have these handy and take them away for reference as well afterwards. Uh, John just read to us from the Bible, uh, from Luke's Gospel, and uh, a reading about something that happened over 2,000 years ago. And in the middle of that reading that John just gave us, there is a word that I want you all to think about this morning. And it's a word that begins with S, and it ends with R, and it describes who Jesus is. Anyone know what it might be? Yes. Saviour. Saviour. What does Saviour mean? What does Saviour mean? You're on form today. It's to do with Jesus saving us. Yeah, saviour. Uh, one, somebody who saves. Somebody who makes us safe. Somebody who rescues people from a really, really dangerous situation. I love rescue stories. Do you like rescue stories? Yeah? A few weeks ago, we watched Apollo 13. Anyone seen Apollo 13? Yeah? amazing film where the crew of this spacecraft are on the way to the moon and then a bit like that aeroplane something goes wrong it's not geese in outer space it's some far more complex problem than that they have to turn round abandon their mission to the moon and they have to somehow be rescued and come back to earth again and then you may remember how many of you have seen the film 33 yes about those miners in the um San Jose mine in Chile. They were 33 of them. They were trapped by some kind of collapse in the mine. They were right down in the earth and they had to be winched up through these long narrow tunnels through the rock incredibly uh, and brought back to safety. Okay and uh, we love rescue stories. Maybe you've been rescued Maybe once in your life you were in a really, really difficult situation, dangerous situation. Maybe your life was endangered and somebody rescued you. Somebody brought you back to safety and you feel grateful forever that you were saved in that way. Now, what I want to do this morning, for a few minutes now, is just think about Sully. Don't need the pictures. Remember Sully? Remember the aeroplane? Remember the geese? Okay, and I want us to see three ways in which Jesus' rescue act, God's rescue act in sending Jesus, is just like Sully, just like Sully's in so many ways. So, follow me if you can. Here's the first of them. On that day in New York, 11 years ago, only one man on that plane knew how to rescue 155 people in danger. And that was this man, Sully. 
an experienced, capable, level-headed airline pilot. He'd been flying for 35 years. He'd trained, he'd done maybe tens of thousands of hours of airtime. He just knew what to do. His instincts took over, and he was able to maneuver that plane. I don't know how he did it. I don't understand these things. But he had a wealth of understanding and information he could bring that plane to land or to ground, to, to come onto the water. In the same way, only Jesus can rescue his people. Now, if you or I have a problem, a medical problem, we go and see a doctor, don't we? And we hope that the doctor will be able to make us better. But there are some problems with our bodies, with our minds, with the way we are. There are some problems in this world that the experts can't fix. People talk about climate change, don't they? We can fix it. With our ingenuity, we can fix climate change. We can, we can end carbon emissions by 2030 or earlier. Well, I, is it as simple as that? I don't know if it is. And there is a human problem that we all have that none of us can rescue us from except Jesus because of who he is, the Son of God, the one God sent from heaven into this world to deal with the biggest problem that you and I have, which is the problem of our selfish, sinful hearts. That's true of Jesus. Only Jesus can rescue his people. Another comparison is this. Sully was misunderstood and even accused because of what he did. And so was Jesus. When the plane had come back down to the water and everyone was safe, there was a bit of an inquest, a bit of an investigation. And there were those experts who were saying, Sully, you didn't do the right thing. You should have gone back to the airport. You should have taken the plane back safely to the runway where you took off from, or another airport nearby, maybe JFK or, or Newark or something like that. Sully, you, you didn't go by the rule book. You made a mistake. But the more they looked at it, and they looked at the flight simulators and all of the ways that he could have reacted, they realized that Sully, in the end, had done exactly the right thing, and the man was really a genius. Jesus was like that. What do I mean? Well, you know how we, we sing and say at Christmas time that Jesus is, is King and Lord and Saviour and Christ. And you think to yourself, well, that's really weird, isn't it? Because he was born in a place called Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. He was too poor to even go into a hotel or an inn. He was laid in a manger. He grew up in a little place called Nazareth. He wasn't particularly rich or, or famous. And then when he was 33 years of age, he, he died. He was put to death in the most terrible way imaginable. And people may say, well, how can a man like that do us any good? How can a man who lived so long ago in another part of the world do you and me any good and actually rescue us? But the answer is that if you and I really look carefully at the life of Jesus and understand why he came 
and who he is and what he did in being born, in living, in dying, and then being raised to life, we will really understand that only Jesus could save people like us. And one more thing I want to say at this stage, which I think is really important. None of those passengers in that aeroplane were lost or died in that rescue. They all made it back out of the plane, alive and in one piece. Some of them were a bit bruised and scraped as a result. Oh yes, they were. But they were all alive and well when they got out of the plane. No one was lost. Jesus, in the same way, saves everyone, everyone who puts their trust in him. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will never, never throw out. Jesus says, if you come to me and you trust me, if you hear my word and you believe what I say, if you realize that I'm the Savior, the rescuer sent for you with all your sin and all your needs, I will never, ever turn you away. So you see, Jesus is like Sully, or Sully is like Jesus, you might say, in all sorts of ways. It's an interesting comparison. He's a rescuer. He saves everybody who comes to him. But there are other ways in which Jesus is far greater than Sully. Oh, yes. And we'll come to those in a few minutes' time. But before that, we're going to sing our next carol. While shepherds watched, washed, watched their flocks by night. Always get that one wrong. All seated on the ground. The angel of the Lord came down and glory shone around. Suggest that Jesus is the greatest rescuer of all. Okay? Uh, Anybody here on that plane 11 years ago? Raise your hand if you were. Were you? I think, I find that rather hard to believe, actually. It's okay, sorry. Uh, I don't think many of us, any of us were on that plane. Maybe we don't know anybody who was. If you were, your life was affected, I'm sure, in a wonderful way. You'd be telling people for the rest of your life, you know what happened to me that day? I was on this plane and these geese came and, uh, and the pilot somehow was able to take control and we were fine. It was amazing, but none of us were there. It hasn't happened Uh, to any of us. There were 155 people on board that plane, but this is why Jesus' rescuing act is so much greater, because the whole human race is in great danger and needs rescuing from their sin. What do I mean by that? I mean that sin is the universal human problem. And it's not simply that I do things I shouldn't do from time to time, that occasionally I tell a lie, or occasionally I get angry with my friend, or or sometimes I might take what isn't mine and not tell somebody about it, or something like that. It's not just the things we do wrong here and there. Sin is a problem deep inside every one of us. 
It is an attitude that says to God, I don't want to do what you want me to do, even though you have made me, even though you've given me life, even though you own me, and one day I'm going to stand in front of you, for we must all do that one day. But the attitude of sin says, I want to do things my way. And if that's the way we are, which we are, and we're left to ourselves, then we are in the greatest imaginable danger. And we will one day stand before a God who is justly angry with us because of our sin. Sin is the universal human problem. We're born sinners, and we live as sinners, and we die as sinners, unless we're rescued. Unless we're rescued. Here's another way in which Jesus' rescue act is so much greater. Those passengers on that plane didn't, um, didn't summon the geese. They didn't say, come on, geese, Come and fly into our plane. Come and cause some problems. Come and make life really hard for the pilot. Come and uh, really mess up this wonderful A320. No, no, they didn't do that. They, They had nothing to do with the geese. The geese wasn't their problem. But here's a difference with us. Sin is very much our problem. We shake our fist against God. We hear God saying to us, don't take my name in vain. In other words, whenever you use my name or talk about me, speak seriously, reverently, knowing who you're talking about. But how many of us use the name of God or of Jesus Christ in a way that is completely inappropriate and insulting to him? That's just one example. The words we say, the thoughts we have, all of us, me as much as everybody else, our hearts are sinful and selfish. We are responsible for our own ruin. Just imagine if Sully was on that aeroplane and the passengers all turned against him and somebody hijacked that plane. In fact, if every passenger on that plane apart from Sully was some kind of hijacker, would he have wanted to land that plane safely? I know, I would would have bailed out if I'd been him. I'd have said, where's my parachute? I'm off. I'll let that plane crash. They don't deserve to live. Let them go. They're all dangerous. I'm I'm out of here. I don't know. But Jesus, knowing that we have sinned against him and against his Father, while we were still sinners, God loved us and Jesus Christ came into this world to die for us. This is... This is the wonderful thing that we believe as Christians and and we talk about here at Grove Chapel and we sing about that God loves sinners like me and you so much that while we are still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. It's the best news in the world. Far better than anything else. It doesn't matter who wins elections or FA Cups or how much money you've got or who you know or what you've done or what job you've got or what successes you meet with in your life, the greatest ever news that can ever be told in this world is there is a saviour, a rescuer. God has sent him into this world and he saves people who don't deserve to be saved. That's the gospel, the Christian message. 
Let me hurry on. This is why Jesus is even better than Sully, far better. Sully (coughs) remained alive and well as he landed that plane. He had to be, didn't he? He had to be in one piece, had to be awake and alert and alive as he skillfully maneuvered that plane somehow down onto the Hudson River. He had to live to save everybody else. Jesus had to die to save everybody else. He had to die. There was no other way he could save people like me. That's how serious our problem is. The Bible tells me some very, very bad news before it tells me good news. The bad news of the Bible is this. I've said it already a few times. We are sinners. We are on the way to hell. We are on the way to everlasting punishment. That's what the Bible tells us. So what does God do? In his love, he says, I want to save my people. I will save my people. I will rescue my people. I will deliver my people. How will I do that? There's only one way. There's only one way. My own son, my eternal son, the son of God, is going to come into this world, live among them all, be one of these human beings whom I love, and die in their place, and die to pay the penalty for their sin, to show how much I love them, not just to show them how much I love them, but to love them in dying, to actually save them, to bring them to myself, to give them eternal life. That's what God does in his love. It's the most amazing love. That's why we sing about it. That's why we gather here. That's why we exist as a church together. Jesus died to save his people. Another thing, those 155 people, where are they now? Probably in America somewhere. 11 years on, are they all alive? Well, I don't know, maybe most of them are. 11 years isn't long, is it? Maybe a few have died though, haven't they? No one knows, I guess they know, the people who knew them know. But they're all going to die one day. We're all going to die one day. And that rescue act of Sully was, it gave these people uh, a few more years of life. Wonderful to have more years of life. Wonderful when somebody has some miracle cure or operation and they they seem to be fading away, but the doctors are able to give them some treatment and and they live, and they live longer, they live 20 more years. Wonderful thing. But what does Jesus give us? Jesus, by dying for us, gives us eternal life, everlasting life. How do we know that? Because after Jesus died, all his friends and his disciples thought, that's the end of Jesus, he's dead, he's buried, he's gone, no more Jesus, end of story, let's go back to being fishermen, let's go back to being tax collectors, whatever they were doing before, Jesus is finished, and we're basically finished as well. That's the end of Jesus, the end of the Jesus story, but it wasn't. He rose from the dead. Why did he do that? He did that to show that his victory over death was complete. He's conquered death. He's alive forever. And what does that mean? It means that if you and I put our trust in Jesus Christ alone, we will live forever as well. We all want to live forever, don't we? Who wants to die? Death is horrible. Death is unnatural. Death is tragic. Death brings tears. Death brings sorrow. Death brings separation. Death 
feels a terrible wrench. Other people's deaths, our own impending deaths. Death is the last great enemy, says the Bible, but Jesus has conquered death. If we trust in him, we, though we die, we will live forevermore. We will be raised as he was raised. That's why Jesus' rescue act is so much greater than Sully's wonderful rescue act. And the last thing to say is this. Who is Sully? I'd love to meet him one day, wouldn't you? I'd love to say, oh, I've heard about you. I, I've seen the film. I've, I've read about you. I feel very honoured to meet you. I mean, what you did was amazing. I feel so privileged that I've made your acquaintance, Mr. Sullenberger, whatever he's called. And he would probably say, I'm sure he would say, I'm only a man. I'm only a guy. I just did what I could do to help people, and I'm glad I did something, but that's all I've done, really, and I've flown a few other planes as well. But I'm just, I'm just one of you. That's all I am. Is that true of Jesus? Is he, is he just one of us? Is he just one of us? He's one of us. He's human. He's a man. He's real. As we are all human. But he's more. He's the Son of God. He's the Lord of glory. He is eternal God. We'll sing in a few moments' time. He is, he is light of light, God of God, truly God. From the beginning, from eternity, the Son of God, who became human when he was conceived in the womb of his virgin mother. That's not true of any of us. We came into existence when we were conceived in our own mother's wombs. Jesus had a pre-existence from eternity. He was the Son of God. He will always be the Son of God. We don't owe Sully any worship. If we were to bow down to Sully and sing hymns to Sully and say, how great is the name of Sully, we would be guilty of idolatry and blasphemy, wouldn't we? He wouldn't want that. We wouldn't want that either. But Jesus deserves the highest honour and praise and worship. Why do Christians sing? Why do Christians pray? Why do Christians worship? Why do we come together and give attention to all this and talk about Jesus in such wonderful ways? Because of who he is. He is the only Son of God. He is the only Saviour of mankind. He is the only Gospel. He is the only good news. He's the good news that you all need, that we all need, that, that I found, that found me 30 years ago that found many of you at whatever point in your life. The Son of God came to you. The message, the gospel, came into your heart, into your life, and your eyes were opened, and you saw that Jesus was the unique rescuer, deliverer, saviour. And it would be our greatest joy if everyone who is here today would say, tell us more about this Jesus. We want to know more about him. And all the gatherings of the church that we have here during the week, are all around that theme. We want to know what the Bible says about God and his son Jesus and how we can know him and be saved forever. We have on Wednesday mornings, starting in January, Little Fishes. Some of you come to that. It's for, uh, it's for preschool children with their parents and carers, and we'd love you to keep coming to that and tell others about it, 10.15 on a Wednesday. We have on Thursdays in the evening... Uh, well, there's one this week, isn't there, Pete? There's the International Cafe. 
starting at 7.30 on Thursdays, pretty much every Thursday. There's an international cafe. International people, students want to practice their English, but others too, so welcome to come and hear more about Jesus as they do so. We have a Friday night youth club called Zone In, which is going to be meeting fortnightly in the new year, starting on January the 10th at half past seven. Come to that if you are of secondary age. Come to that, year seven and upwards. We have a Sunday school here, as you know, 10 o'clock in the morning for all ages. And then we meet here at 11 o'clock and half past six every Sunday. Every Sunday. Why? Why do we go out of our way to do that? Why do we do that? Well, for this reason. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life because Jesus is a great rescuer. And before uh, Steve comes to close the service uh, with prayer, we're going to sing our final hymn together, final carol. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem, come and behold him, born the King of angels, O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. We'll stand to sing.